I want to thank Russell Eisen for helping last week. Did a great job. I was actually being able to watch it online and just great worship, great word. And uh, every time we go away, I just, I miss being home, right? I miss being with my peoples, with my peeps, right? And uh, so uh, great, great, great service last week. I'm glad everything went well. And uh, we're continuing our series on exposing lies we believe. And uh, we're going to look at following your heart. We hear that a lot, don't we? Just follow your heart. Or what is your heart telling you? We hear that. Don't we hear that a lot? What do you think your heart is telling you? We, we need to expose that fallacy. What we're going to do is we're going to look into the Word of God to show us exactly the condition of our heart and should we be following our heart. And how our heart, if, if we understand it truly, can get us into a lot of trouble. How many of you ever followed your heart and uh, didn't turn out so good, right? So we're going to look at that. You know, it's so, in our world today, it's, it's difficult to find, like, what it, you know, to, to uh, understand what is a scam, what isn't a scam. And I, I remember years ago, and this thing is still going on, and I can't believe it, but um, there is this scam, uh, if you remember it, of the Nigerian prince email scam. I don't know if you guys ever remember that. The Nigerian prince, and he's got a lot of money for you. And, uh, and essentially, what it was, was someone claimed to be in a position of influence and notoriety. And uh, they're going to get a large sum of money if you help them in their country, and they can only do it with your assistance in return. You're going to get this large piece of the pie. To this day, this remains incredibly popular, garnering over $700,000 a year still. People are buying this lie. And um, so we can also believe news that isn't true, right? We've all heard uh, the fake news, a lot of fake news out there. And we can also pass news along that may not necessarily be true, only to find out later that it wasn't true. So it can be fake news. It can be lies that we tell ourselves. Think about every bad choice you have ever made. Just think about it. At the root of the decision was some lie you believed. Out of every bad, if you can just boil it down, the root of it is some lie we believe. Um, have you ever tried to sell yourself on something? So we've all been a victim of others' deception. But how can we all understand, listen, I can also believe lies that I tell myself. So let's be honest with ourselves. The easiest person to deceive you is you. The easiest person to deceive is you. That's why we have to really be careful with our hearts. How many bad decisions have we talked ourselves into? You're up late at night. You're vulnerable. And you never thought you needed a pair of Ginsu knives until it was 3 o'clock in the morning or a bamboo steamer or the Ronco record cleaner. Those of you are old like me. You remember those. Or maybe you're scrolling through your you know, social media and these ads pop up and all of a sudden you make these really poor choices. That's why we need to guard our hearts constantly. We all have blind spots in our lives. Every single one of us. And we want to believe the best about ourselves and think that we will never fall. But I want you to think for a moment about how we can justify our bad, de- our bad decisions. We lie to ourselves to make ourselves feel better. 
And so what gets us into trouble every single time is actually following our heart. Or just live your truth, as we've been talking about. Or just be who you are. And we need to understand the truth about our hearts and why listening to our hearts or following our hearts can get us into trouble. And so what the Bible does, it gives us a correct understanding, a a correct description of our heart, that our hearts need to be transformed. That Jesus actually came to, 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 to help us to transform our lives, to transform our hearts, and to create us to be a new creation in him. Listen to what Jeremiah 17.9 says. It says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately healthy. And what does it say? Desperately what? Sick. Our hearts are desperately sick. Who can understand it? Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. We need to have a correct understanding of our hearts. When we speak of our heart, we speak of our emotions and our will. What is at the core of our lives? And what I love about the Word of God is that it speaks truth to our lives, truth to the condition of our heart. God loves us, but He loves us too much not to speak truth to us. So God wants us to understand what is at the root of our hearts. As parents, we, we, we sometimes have to confront our children on wayward behavior and, and actually have to speak truth to them. Now, we don't say to our children, do whatever your heart wants, <laughs> right? Can you imagine telling your three-year-old and you're standing at 104 and you're like, and you tell them not to cross and you're like, well, do whatever your heart wants, Right? What are you going to do? They're going to, they're going to run across four lanes of, of, of traffic. Um, when we had our, we had our, our trunk or treat event here last October, uh, great event. Hundreds of kids come out. We decorate our trunks and we had some inflatables. We had like an obstacle course and we had an inflatable bouncy house, which Pastor Brandon was supposed to be in charge of both. Okay. Now, Pastor Brandon and I have a description. Uh, we have a just a different understanding of how this day and these events developed during this day. But this is my perspective. You can ask Pastor Brandon what his side of it was, but my side's the truth. He has a very skewed view of what his side is. So I walk up to the bouncy house, and there's like 80 kids in the bouncy house. It was a free for all. There's parents taking bets on the side of the house whose kid's going to win this WWE wrestling event that was happening in our bouncy house. No, I am just teasing. It wasn't 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 that bad. What was, so what we did was we cleared the chaos. We only allowed a certain amount of kids in at a time. And what was interesting, there was a little boy and he was waiting to get in and he was throwing a temper tantrum. He was just so upset that he had to wait to get into the bouncy house. And I looked at the mom and said, listen, just blame Pastor Brandon. And it's all his fault. So that's why your kid's screaming. Um, so he's throwing a temper tantrum. And it was, what, what was wonderful about this situation is as I looked at the, at the parent, and you can tell that he was just having a tantrum, but she didn't lose her patience. She just looked at her child, and she said, no. <laughs> she just said, no. And I looked at her and I said, you are a wonderful parent. <laughs> Who, go figure. Like, you can actually say no. Yeah, amen, amen. So she said no, and she said she was calm and just waited. You've got to wait your, wait your turn. And, and, and she was a, a, a good parent, a patient parent, that actually said no to her child. She was patient. See, if we are God's children, God will discipline us. 
And God knows what's best for us. And God knows us better than we know ourselves. That's why we have to keep constant guard over our heart. The Hebrew writer says this about discipline and about God disciplining us. He says, for they discipline us for a short time as it seems best to them. But he disciplines us for our good that we might share in his holiness. Our our, our earthly parents do discipline us for a time, but God's purpose is so much different. God's purpose for your discipline is not just to ruin your life, to be the cosmic killjoy in your life, and for you not to have any fun in your life. That's not God's purpose. You see, sometimes we we get into our mindset that my happiness is the ultimate goal. And what we say to each other is we say things like, I just want you to be happy. Right? I just want you to be happy. Now, listen, we've we've got to discern between our desires and what God truly desires. Because sometimes our desires don't match up with God's desires. And God desires holiness in us. Listen to what the Hebrew writer says. That we may share in his holiness. For for that moment, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But listen to what it does later. But later it yields the peaceful fruit of what? Of righteousness for those who have been trained by it. See, not everything's going to go perfect in your life. Amen? Not everything is going to go our way. And many times we want to fight against God and say, God, I don't understand this. I don't know why this is. And it's not that it's easy, but it's difficult at times. But what God wants to show us during those times where things aren't going our way is he wants to show us, Barden, I'm trying to do something in your heart. I want to do something more for you than you would ever experience by you just getting your own way. And there's something that I want to produce in you that maybe you don't see it now, but later it's going to reveal a harvest of righteousness. I remember Max Locato sharing this story about his family going to their grandparents for Thanksgiving. And it was about a four-hour drive. And, and Max knew, when his kids were really young, he knew what was at the end of their travels was this wonderful turkey dinner and gravy and mashed potatoes, and sweet potato pie. Oh, 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 come on. He knew it was there. But the kids, every McDonald's they saw, every Burger King they saw, they want to stop. They we're hungry, we want to stop. And I remember Max saying this, he goes, if I would have stopped at every single fast food place and gave in to their desires, it would have ruined what was at the end of our trip. And that was Grandma's Thanksgiving dinner. Grandma's gravy and grandma's sweet potato pie, right? See, sometimes for us, our desires and our heart get in the way of what God truly wants for us. And there's something that he's producing in every single one of us. And this gratification that we want things now and we want things yesterday, God says, just wait, I'm doing something in you if you are just patient. And if you will allow yourself to be trained by it, there will be fruit of righteousness in your life if you submit to me in my will. You see, none of us like being grounded as a kid or having things taken away from us, right? But we needed to be corrected. And ultimately, it was for our good.
You see, I'm glad my parents gave me structure, and at times I needed to be told that I was wrong. It was a purpose behind it. It wasn't just for now, and at that, at, maybe at that time it hurt, but in the long run, it was producing something in me. The most loving things parents can do with their children is to be honest with them. And the Bible gives us this true depiction of our heart and why it's vital that we guard our hearts. You see, the proclivity of my heart is to take care of me because I'm selfish. I want things done my way. It just Can we all say amen to that, right? We want things done our way. The proclivity of my heart is to take care of me because I'm selfish. And God says, listen, I want to do something in your heart that's beyond yourself. You've got to guard your heart. You're fallible. You can fall. The Apostle Paul understood why following your heart and living your truth is such a lie from everything we hear in our world today. Writing the Corinthians, he says this to them. And I want to really just look at verse 12, but he says, Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he falls. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man, but God is faithful and he, will let you be, he won't let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide a way of escape that you may also be able to endure it. I'm going to drill down on verse 12 here because this is really interesting. What Paul is saying is, is this, don't be full of yourself. Every single one of us will face temptation. And every single one of us is open to that temptation. And every single one of us can fall to temptation. Jesus even faced temptation. He didn't sin, but even he faced temptation. And so what do we do with this temptation? Well, Paul says we have a way of escape through Christ Jesus. So let's be honest. Our hearts lie to us more than anything else. They do. Our hearts lie to us more than anything else. The way to deal with ourselves is to call ourselves out and know when we're making excuses or know when we're justifying our behavior. And so how do we find uh, rescue from our hearts, from our selfishness, from 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 the deceit of our hearts, of wanting our own way and our own selfishness? We actually need to be rescued from our heart. Not turn to our heart, but actually be rescued from our hearts. Our hearts are meant to be led. They're meant to be led. See, what we see in the world is no turn to what your desires are, what you're feeling, what you want, what you want, what you want. And what we see in the Word of God is that that's a deception. That don't trust your desires, don't trust your heart. You see, here's the reason why. If Christ is not king of your heart, and if he is not leading your heart, then we are going to do things that we think are right. And when we look to Christ in the spirit of Christ and the way we deal with things in the world, if someone comes against you or someone says something to you, my heart wants what? Revenge. My heart wants to get back. My heart doesn't want to forgive. But if the Spirit of Christ is leading me and and Christ has transformed my heart, then I need to go to the way of forgiveness and offering forgiveness and not allowing bitterness and revenge to overtake my heart. 
Our hearts are meant to be loved. I love what John Bloom says here. He says, our hearts were never designed to be followed, but to be led. Our hearts were never designed to be gods in whom we believe. They were designed to believe in God. He goes on to say, if we make our hearts gods and ask them to lead us, they would lead us to a narcissistic misery and ultimately damnation. They cannot save us because what's wrong with our heart is the heart of our problem. But if our hearts believe in God as they are designed to, then God saves us and leads our hearts to exceeding joy. God wants to save you from yourself so that you can find his exceeding joy. Sheep need a shepherd and so do our hearts. Our hearts need to be shepherded. Um, my, my parents... did a good job shepherding my heart. So what do I mean by, what do I mean by that? The older you get, you kind of look back over your life, don't you? Right? You look like, okay, I was raised in this family. It wasn't really great. And maybe you're raised in a family where it was rules, 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 rules. Our family didn't have a lot of rules, but there was, guard, there was expectations. Let's put it that way. Don't be stupid, Barton. Don't do dumb things, right? So there was, Russ said that last week. Just don't, that was in my house too. Just don't be stupid, right? So th- there's, these, there's these guardrails that my parents put around me. But they knew how to speak to my heart. And what they would do is this. When I was upset or I did something, I did some stupid thing or, or, or I was disquiet or I was angry about something, I remember my dad just sitting down with me and just saying, Barton, what's going on? What's going on with your heart? Yeah, you did, you did this wrong thing, but there's something more than just the bad behavior. There's something going on in your heart, and that's what I care about. You see, what my dad was trying to do was shepherd my heart. Because he knew if Christ had my heart, there is not enough rules that he could have placed over me that I couldn't have found a way around the rules. Amen? Come on. You, you were teenagers once. You guys, parents didn't know half the things you guys did, okay? And then it comes up later in these conversations, you're like, you did what? Right? We found a we found a way. See, the difference is Jesus wants your heart. Because if he has your heart, he will have everything about your life. And so what my dad tried to do is have this relationship with me where he spoke to my heart. And it's funny because the neighborhood kids liked my parents. They liked my dad because I had some crazy friends in the neighborhood that grew up in, that I grew up with, and they just did crazy things. I remember, remember my dad just bringing some of my friends. So I was like, well, what are you doing? Come here. Talk to me, man. Well, what are you doing? Trying to speak. Yeah, Mr. Jurace, that probably wasn't a smart thing, right? But they, but they loved my dad because he spoke to their heart. See, the best thing you could ever do as a parent is grab your children's heart. Listen, I'm not saying don't have rules or don't have stipulations in their lives, but get to know their heart, why they're feeling the way they are. Get below the surface a little bit of what's going on. And I think sometimes 
we as parents just want to put the law down or put more rules on, but that's not getting to the heart of the issue. Jesus didn't come just to lay more rules and mandates over us and over us. He came to take your life, to take your heart and transform it to someone who actually wants to follow him. So what my parents did, that they did well, by shepherding my heart, is that I don't want to disappoint them. Because I knew they really loved me. See, when Jesus has your heart, I will obey because it's a privilege to obey him because I don't want to hurt that relationship with my Savior because I understand all the things he's done for me. How is Christ shepherding your heart? How are you shepherding those around you, their heart, and listen to them. So our hearts, they need a shepherd. Our hearts need a shepherd. John 10, 27 says this, my sheep listen to my voice and I know them and they follow me. My sheep listen to my voice and I know them. Which means is that Jesus has an intimate relationship with those that follow him. And the reason they follow him is because of that relationship. So we need a new heart. We need to become a new creation in Christ. When we are mad or mistreated, my feelings are to get even or to get back. That's what my heart wants to do in my flesh. But I need a shepherd for my heart because I need to be led. Because if I were to follow my heart and my desire, then I'm going to get revenge or I'm going to seek revenge. But I need Jesus to lead me. When Christ leads me, my life is different. I don't follow the feelings of my heart anymore. I listen to Christ and his words. I listen to when he says, forgive those who come against you. Not that we do it perfectly, but it's going to go against anything that you might feel But Jesus says this to us because he loves us and he knows the proclivity of my heart is to be self-serving. But Jesus says, when you allow me to lead your heart and you listen to me and my spirit is in you, you will find a far greater joy than you would ever find by just following your desires. My heart is has to be led by Christ. Listen, we need to have a knowledge of Jesus. We have the word of God. We have the teaching of God's word. Doctrine is important. We need to have a knowledge about Christ and understand our doctrine. But ultimately, Jesus wants your heart. He wants your heart. He wants everything. He doesn't want your Sunday heart. He wants it every single day where we can then cry out, not my will, but your will be done in my life. There's, a, there's, a, there's an interesting story in the Old Testament with, with Moses. And God instructs Moses to tell his people to put tassels at the corner of their clothes and um, and, and there was a purpose for it. It was a reminder. It was symbolic of them reminding that God was their God. But he asked them to do something specific with the tassel. 
And he asked them to put a blue cord through the tassel. It was a reminder to them that they were a holy nation and to follow God's commandments. But there's another reason for the blue tassel, the the blue cord that would go through the tassel. And uh, we see this in, in Numbers chapter 15. And I want you to listen to the Lord and how he speaks to Moses and the relationship that God cares, uh, the relationship that, that God wants to have with Moses and his people. And so it says here, starting in verse 37, it says, The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the people of Israel and tell them to make tassels on the corner of their garments throughout their generations and to put a cord of blue on the tassel of each corner. Now look at verse 39. It says, And it shall be a tassel for you to look at and remember all the commandments of the Lord, to do, to do them, not to follow, and look at the purpose of the blue cord was this, not to follow after your own heart or your own eyes, which you are inclined to whore after, so that you shall remember to do all my commandments and to be holy to your God. And listen how God speaks this personal relationship with Moses. He says, I am the Lord, your God. Your God. A personal God that wants to have a relationship with you. Not not just to put these commandments on you. The commandments were to help them to serve God and to serve one another and to, to walk righteously before the Lord. But he says, I want to be your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. And then he says it again. I am the Lord, your God. The blue cord was to remind them, don't follow your heart. Don't follow your eyes, which will be inclined to whore after other things. But I want to remind you that I want to have a relationship with you. And if I have your heart, then it will be a joy to serve you and to follow your commands. I want you to notice what it it says next. It's a reminder. It's a reminder to them to follow God and not their heart. The blue cord was always with them to remind them to put God first. So my prayer for you is, is where's your heart? See, the thing that I want for my kids And I know this is my parents' prayer. And I know this is your prayer for you parents. Is I don't want my children just to know about God. I want them to know God. And I want God to have their heart. And I know that was my parents' prayer. And I know for you parents, that's your prayer for your children. That they would have a heart for God. That they would know him, that God would instruct them, that God would lead them. I want you to realize that when we come into this relationship with Jesus Christ and we give him our heart and our life, we're going to want to follow him and we're going to want our lives to be righteous, not because we have to, but because we want to. I want to obey him now, not because 
God says, you got to do this, you got to do this, you got to do that. I begin to understand the lengths and the depths that Jesus went through to reach me. To give his life on the cross for me, to bear my sin upon himself, to reach me so that my heart could be transformed and to have a relationship and to become a new creation in Christ Jesus. So when we enter into that new relationship with Christ Jesus, we are changed. There's something different. First Peter says this, kind of echoes what God says in Numbers. But Peter says this, he says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. In Christ Jesus, we are changed. We're changed from living in darkness to now living and walking in his light, in this new relationship. God says, don't follow your heart. It's going to lead you deeper and deeper into darkness. But come out of that and come into his light and allow me to lead you. Allow me to shepherd your heart. And what that takes for you and I today practically, it says, God, I'm going to lay down my desire and what I want. And I'm going to serve you. Um, Last Sunday, we were able to speak at, at, um, at a church in, in Orange Walk where we were. And um, I, I had an interpreter. I, I spoke that night. The, the sermon was terrible. I, just, I wasn't flowing good with the interpreter. I, I sat down with Kathleen. I said, that, I, I feel sorry for all these people. I feel like I need to get up and apologize. You know, and Kathleen goes, it wasn't that bad. I said, come on. She goes, yeah, it was pretty bad. No, she didn't say that. She, and um, and I, we just call people forward just to come for prayer. And and the message was knowing the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life and allowing yourselves to know that God will never leave you or forsake you, that no matter what you're going through, he will still be there with you. And what was amazing is all the people that came front just to seek the Lord, even through a horrible message. It didn't flow good through the interpreter. But they just wanted God. They wanted God's presence. They wanted God to move in their situation. They were giving their hearts to the Lord. My prayer for you this morning is that no matter what you're going through, no matter what your background is, no matter where life has taken you, no matter how you followed your heart and it's gotten you in a bunch of different bad situations, God says, give it to me and let me lead you now and I will never hurt you I will never forsake you I won't abuse you I won't take advantage of you I won't take your money everything I've done for you is to help you know me and know my father That's the relationship he wants to have with you when you give him your your heart and you can trust him. And I know some of you, you've given your heart away and it got stepped on. You got hurt. You may have been abused. 
Christ does not do that. He does not do that. You can trust him with your life. And I know for some of you, this has been a hard thing for you because it's easy for us to put up walls and get defensive, right? Because once you get burned, you're like, oh, I, I, I don't ever want to get hurt again. Christ will never do it. Listen, there may be people in the church that misrepresent Jesus, but that's not Jesus. That's just flawed people, but it's not Jesus. He wants your heart. Let him shepherd your heart. Amen. So I'm going to pray for you. We're going to take communion today. And and why don't you take out your cups and let's open those. And we're going to take communion today and and we're going to allow Christ to to take control of our our hearts and our lives today. Listen, um, as you take communion today, I want to remind you once again why we take communion. Jesus says, whenever you do this, you do this in remembrance of me. The wafer symbolizes Jesus' body that was given for us. The cup symbolizes his, his blood that was shed for us. Without the shedding of blood, there could be no forgiveness of sin. Jesus did this not because... Jesus did this because we were sinners and we needed a Savior. It's a gift that he gives to you and I. He gives the gift of himself to you and I. Through his sacrifice, he covers, he atones for our sin. Listen, I always try to remind people, don't feel bad if you don't feel like you're ready to take communion. That's okay. That's fine. But when we take communion, what we're saying is, Jesus, I give you my life. Jesus, I recognize that that you are the only way, that you are God. And when we do that, we allow him to be glorified in our life. So, And we're giving him our heart. We're giving him our life. We're asking him to cleanse us. So if you're not ready to do that, that's fine. Just sit there in your seat and, and don't, don't, no judgment zone here. That's fine. But let's not take this haphazardly. Let's remember the reason why we do this is none of us in this place deserve what Jesus gave to us. It's a gift through his grace that he gave his life for you and I that we don't earn or deserve. But he did it because he loves us and he knew this was the only way we could be restored. So as we take communion today, maybe there's something in your life that you're holding back from God. Just give it to him and and, and make this your prayer. Jesus, shepherd my heart. I've got some bitterness in there. I've got some disappointment in there. I need you to shepherd me through this because my heart's telling me one thing that I know is going to get me in trouble and not help me. (laughs) Jesus, shepherd my heart through this because I know that's the best way. Can we do that this morning? (laughs) Let's ask me to do it. Father God, as we just um, come before you today, Lord, we ask that you would shepherd our hearts today. We thank you for the bread and the cup and what it symbolizes. And as we take this as the family of God, we recognize that, Jesus, you are the only way. You're the only one that can cover me. You're the only one that can change my heart. So change our hearts today. Lead our hearts today. Shepherd our hearts today. Thank you for your perfect sacrifice that you did for us. We love you. We praise you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's partake. Let's partake of both emblems, the wafer. Amen. And let's partake of the cup together. Amen. Amen. When you finish doing that, 
and taking communion. Would you stand with me? And we're just going to close in song today. And uh, let God speak to you through this song today as you just as you just worship him, as you give him his heart today. Can we thank the Lord today just for his goodness and his word today? Amen. Amen.